What's going on? My name is Tyson McGuffin. This is the McGuffin Show. We're on episode 20. Living the dream here in Coeur d'Alene. Got my man K-Mac here. K-Mac, what's, what's going on over hey, there? Hey, man. Everything's good. Everything's good. Just have a, have a little break over the last month. Haven't been doing as much traveling, which uh, the wife and four kids at home definitely like. So it's uh, it's it's been all good. How have you been, man? Keep your butt home. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't be leaving. <laughs> don't be leaving the fam. Hey, okay? hey. You're one to talk, right? right. You road warrior. Three-week journey. <laughs> um, yeah, well, episode 19, we uh, chatted about um, chatted about Newport and Denver. So this episode, we're going to be uh, chatting about TOC. Uh, some other things we're going to be talking about in this episode is uh, J-Dub, uh, the California Open that's going on right now. Uh, there's some new rule changes or um, some rule changes that are in the works. Uh, we'll talk about clothing line, camps, YT channel, and then uh, there's some questions uh, that were asked by the viewer, so we'll dive into those. So I found pickleball about five years ago, actually a gentleman at my tennis club. He introduced me to the sport, uh, got me going, and uh, tried pickleball for the first time, fell in love with it, fell in love with the camaraderie, fell in love with the family-oriented feel, and fell in love with being able to compete again and kind of give me this whole new lifestyle. I spent a huge amount of effort uh, taking care of my body, uh, both on the court and off the court. But as far as physical training, uh, I, I make sure to push my body to the limit uh, a couple couple days a week. Um, I do a mixture of functional training and yoga, and then obviously uh, training on court. Pickleball is definitely a movement sport. I uh, obviously play all three events. I play singles, I play doubles, and I play men's doubles and mixed doubles. And with the grueling days of playing tournaments and how many matches there are, double elimination, we're, we're playing in areas where it's extremely hot. I need to make sure that my body is up to par and I'm playing at my highest level. I was in a position where I was trying to work out and play all in the same day. And uh, I was kind of getting to a point where I was having a hard time doubling the workload. I was waking up the next day feeling a huge amount of lactic acid and an inflammation buildup. And so with that being said, I really wasn't able to push my body because I was so sore. So I was looking for um, just that added little 10 to 20% of feeling a little fresher, uh, having some better recovery, just like any athlete out there that's looking for that little added edge. I was that guy and I got to introduce to Beamer and I kid you not, it changed my life. Sleep mode for me has been huge. I honestly feel like my best time to recover is at night. And personally, I feel like when I'm very consistent using sleep mode, I'm waking up in the morning, feeling refreshed. Um, I have my mental clarity and uh, it gives me a little boost for the day. As much as I love striving as an athlete, being on the court, um, I also love teaching. I've been teaching tennis at the age of 15. Now I own my own pickleball camp company. As much as I love winning, I also love seeing people's games go full circle um, in a course of two or three days during one of my camps. Um, it's awesome that I can share about health and wellness benefits. It's awesome that I can share about recovery and Beamer. Pickleball is really embracing. It's really family oriented. Why I grew to love pickleball is because I really felt like I was a part of this uh, really fun embracing community that all um, helped each other out. And at the end of the day, we all love the sport of pickleball. Beamer, better circulation, better health, better pickleball. It was a nice little week in Brigham City. I ended up staying at the Best Western, uh, knowing that there's absolutely nothing to do in Brigham City. <laughs> I made sure to get like a suite, got the jetted tub. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. got the old jetted tub. Bring all the toys right to you, right? Because <laughs> there's nowhere, no venture <laughs> now. There's really nothing going on. So, um, so I made sure to, you know, uh, took a few ice baths in the jetted tub. Probably used it every night. Heck yeah. Um, and. Um, uh, yeah, there was uh, plenty of players that were staying at the Best Western. But, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, there's a lot of history behind TOC. I feel like that's, that's one of the first majors that kind of 
uh, got got put on the map. And um, uh, Kyle Klein obviously lives in Brigham City. He's been a huge ambassador there uh, with helping uh, put on events, uh, grow the membership, and uh, just getting people out there playing. So uh, the Kleins are an awesome family. And uh, I, w- I would say out of all the families that I have met in Pickleball, definitely one of the nicer families. And uh, truly uh, in- embrace Pickleball and um, have have done a lot for pickleball in the city of Brigham. But, sure. but uh, Mr. McKenzie, you did not go to Brigham. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, just, I just, I played Denver. Um, would have been a couple weekends in a row, you know, with the teaching schedule. Just, you know, sometimes got to make those those tough decisions, those tough cuts. Um, maybe in hindsight, I probably would have opted to maybe play TOC and not Denver, but it just worked out that way. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got good memories there. It was one of my first... Breakthrough tournaments when I was new on the tell, scene. Tell TSC that story. A tell years that, ago. Tell that uh, story. Yeah. So I mean, I I'd, I'd moved to Spokane, you know, where your uh, your home was. So you and I had been playing, and uh, I was your, your your practice dummy for a bit, and you're beating up on me, uh, but obviously got me better. And so I was pretty, I think, unknown or flying under the radar when I showed up, and uh, I played uh, Robert Elliott in the first round and got a. Uh, a pretty solid win over him. And then I uh, played Joey Farias in the second round. And uh, I don't know if I was really on Joey's radar. And it's, you know, it's it's Brigham. So uh, singles, the ball's flying. I like to keep the points short. It plays to my style. And, you know, had just a, a stretch where Joey missed some returns, which they tend to float over there. And uh-huh. so got a good win over Joey. And uh, ended up finishing, I believe, in sixth place. So I just barely snuck in there for, a, I think, a couple hundred dollar check. But uh, it helped me become a little bit more known in the in the pro scene, just because, like I said, I don't think I was really on anybody's radar. So I just went there only to play singles. I think I got there the night before, six hours of sleep, um, and just made the most of it. So the family and I did the did the twelve hour minivan drive. Right. And so <laughs> I was going to say that's that's the piece of the story that you're forgetting <laughs> right, right, to tell. Right, right. That I mean that that's that's what really sets the story on oh, fire. Yeah. yeah. That we is decided that, to drive there I mean, instead this, of fly. <laughs> I mean, it's what a twelve hour trip. Yeah, it was a pretty good so pretty good trip. Uh, so yeah, I mean drive drive. You drove all night. Drove all night. Yeah, and then because I had to be at work like the next day, Man, and just I didn't insane. Have that much time off. Four kids so drives all night. Yeah, yeah. And but then, wanted to bring the and family. And then balls out. And then yeah, played played all right. So uh, that's too funny. So, Actually, yeah. uh, the very first time that I went to TOC, uh, 2016, I was living in Yakima, uh, living paycheck to paycheck, and uh, I, I nobody knew me at all. Um, and I uh, ended up uh, driving with my ex at the time. We drove all the way from Yakima there all the way down to Brigham City. Hell yeah. <laughs> I drove. I, I drove. I think this is when uh, TOC was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But okay. I remember we, we drove all day Wednesday. Uh, took off, I don't know, like in the morning, Wednesday morning. And uh, we ended up getting there late Wednesday night. I got a little training in Wednesday night. And then uh, uh, my first TOC ended up taking bronze. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Did you play Did you play all the events? Uh, play, I, I, play I played, I played singles on that Thursday. And then I played men's doubles with Mike Donnellan. Mike D. Okay. I don't think I know Mike. Mike D. Uh, plays for Engage. He used okay. to kind of yeah. help, uh, help out with the manufacturer and, and take phone calls and do some administration but uh yeah played with mike donnellan we did not do great um but and ended up taking a bronze in singles um anyhow so you know always love going back to good TOC. Memories, yeah. been, been going memories. you know i've been at toc for the last five years uh very small community and uh if you want to get any sort of alcohol that is five percent or that is that is above five percent you have to go to the local liquor store i don't believe there's actually a restaurant in brigham city <laughs> where you can sit down and just have a drink i'm pretty right, sure right. You have to like get an appetizer first, and then after the waiter or waitress knows that you've eaten your appetizer, you have to eat the full appetizer. So if you want to drink your pain away, yeah, you, you got to be gotta very eat careful. Your, you got to eat right, your appetizer yeah. at least, eat your entree, and then you can have a drink. <laughs> it's the Brigham way. It's the, the Brigham, Brigham way. way. So, uh, so tell me. So I was obviously watching a lot on the live stream. So it seemed like. Was it multiple days, weather issues? Was it just uh, raining pretty yeah. bad, storming? Yeah, and, and, and just to kind of uh, uh, touch on what you had mentioned, you had mentioned that, you know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, odd things or different things that can happen with results uh, at TOC. It's yeah, very true. It is. Um, you know, you uh, um, it's, it's high elevation. It's a little tougher to play. 
Um, you know, for, for, for example, Matt Goble and I, uh, were probably not expected to win back in 2018. We ended up winning back in 2018. Um, and, um, let's see back in 2019, we saw Ben and uh, Jesse Irvine take out, uh, Simone and Kyle. And if you remember, uh, if you, if you mm-hmm. recall mm-hmm. that, yep, but that yep. was, that was Ben's like first big showing at a major in mixed and uh, if you guys can recall that, Matt's Jesse almost had two feet outside the court. I kid you not. I mean, it was <laughs> wild. Uh, ben was taking probably 90% of the court, if yeah. not more. He and showed how much court I'm, he's really capable of he controlling. He did. He did. Yeah. I don't know if you guys if you remember uh, watching that match, but he played a lot of court. He beat the best mixed team in the world and um, uh, did it did it pretty handily. Um uh, anyhow, so yeah, there was uh, there was some odd weather going on. Um, I flew directly from Denver on Monday uh, to Salt Lake City. Uh, Megan Banks flew home that day, so flew in Monday. Practice Tuesday with Frank Anthony. Uh, practice on Tuesday was kind of crummy. It was blowing 20, 30 miles an hour, mm. and um, it wasn't rainy, but it was pretty dark out. And it seems like in the past, anytime we've gotten to TOC or anytime we've gotten to Brigham and we practice early, um, it just always has bad weather. But uh, yeah, played singles Wednesday. Uh, actually, I played one. I played a match and a half outside. And probably the the craziest thing is that I played a match on center court, 8 a.m. Wednesday. And I kid you not, it 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 looked outside like it was 11 o'clock at night, and it felt like we were in December. It was just that it was, overcast. It was it was it was dark. Blowing and it was it was it was it was literally it was like pitch dark. It was the weirdest thing. It's 8 a.m. and it's pitch dark. Um, was it, there wasn't any like smoke or any issues? No, with, well, like, yeah, so it, it was kind of hazy okay, and like okay. just the clouds were dark, like yeah, just yeah, weird, aggressively dark, <laughs> <laughs> very dark. <laughs> Anyways, I, I played my first round. Uh, the guy that I so I ended up Ben was the only guy that that got a buy. I think there was thirty one players. Okay. Ben Ben got a buy. Yeah. The first guy I played, I found out later, was a three five. He had just woken up, like his hair is on like one <laughs> side of his head. I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, anyhow, I ended up playing him first round, and then I played a guy named uh, uh, Hardy Owen, who apparently is like top ten boys USTA in tennis, top okay. ten in the country, very talented, uh, and he made a nice little run through the backdrop. But uh, I played like I, I, I think we got to like eight three or seven three in game one, and then it started raining on us, so we had to drive thirty minutes down to Ogden. Uh, to the Pickler, uh, which is a nice facility. It's a seven or seven or eight core facility okay. there in Ogden. Okay. It's in North Ogden. Uh, it's just a giant warehouse. Uh, I would assume used to be a some sort of packing warehouse. But um, I didn't realize there were that many courts there. Yes, nice. yeah, seven, seven or eight, eight courts. Okay. Yep, cool. yep. Uh, the USAPA uh, set up their live stream on one of the courts and kind of made it a uh, championship court. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fairly tight in there. Kyle asked me this question earlier, uh, kind of what I thought of the conditions in there. I thought they were plenty fine. I, I, I think, uh, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't play extremely it really, fast. Yeah. It didn't play extremely fast. Nobody was at a disadvantage. Right. Uh, it wasn't tough to see in there. So, cause sometimes indoor surfaces can be either really slick for sure or sometimes super gritty. So just because it is indoors, doesn't really it's hard to tell just watching That's what true. the what the tempo of the shot yeah shots yeah. are yeah. and and I, I i would say you know you take a look at indoor pickleball or if, if anybody's played indoor pickleball uh honestly it's a lot easier to play indoors and it yep. seems like the general precision and the consistency and just the level of pickleball generally gets better should be higher yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, I think the uh, question of the tournament is, who is J-Dub? My, oh, my. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, what a what a tournament for him to not just uh, beat Ben, which nobody's been able to do for a while. But then, you know, you always wonder when somebody upsets, you know, one of the, the top tier, you know, obviously the, the top guy right now, is he going to be able to back it up and, you know, continue uh, to take the tournament, which obviously was no easy task against you and you and Ben are, are, are different style players. So he had yeah. to probably uh, be pretty sharp in a different way, I would imagine, against uh, against you as well as Ben. But, I mean, what did, what did you feel out there playing against him? I mean, what were you, what do you like about his game? What, what, what sort of areas did uh, did he make you feel pressure? I like I like nothing about his game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he, um, he does a lot of things well. But I think specifically... Um, you know, I think one thing that he has is that from like an image standpoint, 
The guy shows no emotion. He's a blank <laughs> slate. I mean, Ben's, Ben's, robot assassin. Ben's kind of yeah. a blank slate. Right. J-Dub is a complete blank he slate. takes it to another level. He's so, sure. I mean, if you look at the guy, it's tough to tell if he's, if he's up or if he's down or where he's at in the match. So there's just not a whole lot to feed off of, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and then you know, I think uh, he he was able to manage pressure very well. He was, he was able to manage bigger points very well. He was able to uh, kind of believe where he was at and trust his stuff, which uh, you know you're playing some of the best players in the world, and you've really haven't had uh, great results with with. Be- I mean, he's never beaten me. He never beat Ben. No, no. And just the confidence that he had in that setting. Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, it was good. It was very good, and uh, he showed that uh, he was a true professional, and he was very very mature with the way that he went about the day. Um, but uh, I think first and foremost, it's 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 tough to really tell how he's feeling uh, based off his image. I thought he played the big points very well. I thought he showed maturity with the big points. Uh, I think tactically, even though you don't get a lot out of him, I think. Uh, he may be on the spectrum a little bit and uh, homeschooled and so socially, mm-hmm. uh, you just don't get a lot out of him. It's, it's tough to really kind of tell, uh, uh, you know, uh, what he's what he's uh, trying to portray or what, trying what, to say during during an interview. No, sure. no, no, yeah, an interview. I mean, it's like pulling teeth. To uh, it is. Out it of is. Him and, uh, you know, nothing against him. You can tell he, by the way he plays, he's extremely bright. Right. But, uh, yeah, definitely on the interviews, he's not given a whole lot. Uh, 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 you know, I know you well, and I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but wrestling background. Yeah. I think you rely a lot on that gritty, you know, a lot of uh, the head games and what's in between the lines. And, um, you know, I know the quote you told me, and I, maybe I'm, I'm butchering it here, but, uh, you know, kill the head and the body dies. Something True. that you learned going, growing up. I never thought about this, but as you're, you know, you were kind of referenced not really knowing what he's thinking on the other side of the net. You know, yeah. how much of when you're playing somebody, do you kind of rely on some of the body language and the cues of knowing, all right, I'm about ready to mentally break this person. My level is is one where where they're just not looking like they're they're able or willing or wanting to compete. Uh, do you do you kind of look for that throughout a match to kind of give you energy? Or? It, it makes the process a lot easier, yep. and it's definitely it's it's um, you know uh, it's easier to be able to fuel that and uh, and to be able to kind of use that and use it as ammo. But uh, yeah, I mean J Dubs does a very very good job of. Uh, keeping a blank slate, uh, playing the big points well, uh, being uh, at least what he showed, you know, over the weekend, uh, being very mature even when he was down, and uh, just keeping the level high. Right. Uh, I mean, the whole day. But uh, just but indirectly yeah. sends that message that you know, regardless of the score, I'm you know, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah. A big, it's a big deal. But yeah, I mean, as we all know, as competitors. Um, you know, it's nice to have the little cherry on top when you know that you see your opponent kind of breaking down, or or you see some some uh, some some areas that are breaking down, signs of frustration. Yeah, I mean, shoot, like yeah. it uh, you know takes takes some pressure off you, gets the monkey off your back, uh, lets you swing free, lets you kind of open up your game and do a bit more. But when you're kind of like restricted, and you don't really know how they're feeling, or you can't use that as ammo. Um, then uh, yeah, it just you're not really able to break that door down. Yeah, so, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, J Dub, uh, I, I would say tactically, uh, you know, I obviously played him in the winners bracket final and then played him again in the finals. Uh, I I told you in the winners bracket final, I lost the first game and it's like I don't know six all five all game two. Uh, John Enger walks by me and tells me that Ben had just lost and Spencer beat him. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm there to thinking shit. Like, uh, I don't know if that helped me or not. Like, right, right. I don't know. I don't know what to think it's now. Like it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity, but it's almost like extra pressure to hey, some right, 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 right. Yeah. No, for, for sure. Right. And, and I mean, I should be the guy. I, you know, I've taken silver, uh, uh, what, three years in a row? Yeah, three years in a row. Uh, right, right. You know, and uh, TOC's the one major that I haven't won. So anyhow, <laughs> I, I honestly felt like it probably threw more on my back. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to uh, use that as an excuse. I ended up winning game two. Uh, in game three, J-Dub played well. Uh, but I, I would say tactically in, in the winner's bracket final and in the final final, um, two things he did extremely well was depth on the serve, depth on the return. And um, he just he, he played uh, he played well in all three games. He played well late in all three games. 
um, and specifically in the finals at the start of game three, I think I got down like 6-0, and I don't know how many lines he hit, but he was painting lines on the serve, and then he was crushing third balls and painting lines as well. No, I remember uh, I was watching online, and at one point you were almost almost laughing, right? Laugh yeah. to keep from crying just because his depth. I think he hit the baseline like two or three returns in yeah. a row or within a couple of inches, and especially when someone's hitting out flat, you know, and then they're able to get that much depth. It's, it's really tough to, to have an answer yeah. Um, yeah, to, no, for to sure. string points together. But, yeah, he, uh, he also, like, drove the third super well uh, if, uh, you know, if his opponent was able to do enough with the fourth, he would drop his fifth, come in. He had some pretty crafty cat and mouse, mm -hmm. um, as you saw in the match against Ben. Uh, I mean, he rung-footed him a couple times. He beat him in Hansby battles. Uh, he beat him in a lot of areas. So uh, I, I wonder if we're going to see more of that. You know, I was talking to uh, practice with Leia this morning. Lay and I were talking about that. It's like, gosh, he can kind of use that and, and fuel that, and and like, uh, he could try to use that to put him in a much different stratosphere. Um, sure. You know, just kind of based off of that one tournament. Like we we see that a lot with March Madness. We see a 15 or a 16 seed, you know, uh, uh, have an upset early on and kind of use that confidence to to fuel them for the rest of the tournament. Um, but um, anyhow, I, I wonder if J Dub will kind of. Uh, use that marker to uh, to really plateau his singles game, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously it can be a huge confidence builder. And I think to some degree, you know, maybe he used some of his other wins. Obviously, he hadn't beaten you or Ben, but I think at one point, um, you know, within the last few months, he'd beaten Jay, you know, like three times in a row at one point. You know, right. obviously that's going to let him know that he's, you know, as far as his level, he's in the conversation, right. you know, with you guys and the big boys. So I just think the depth... At the top five, six, seven guys in singles is just going to continue to get a little bit better. You won't see as uh, as many lopsided matches, and it's going to be more about who's who's playing the best that day uh, going forward. Which I think is just going to be good for good, good for, for the sport. Ball. It's fun to watch, and for sure. it's, it's fun good. to not know who's going to be the best, you know, on that day. Exactly. By the way, I think uh, Matt. I think Ben's uh, match record was like 177. Uh, I don't know if that was matches or if that's games. Let's see here. In a row before losing, I, I thought so. I said so, says, Maybe so John's went over a hundred matches, hundred and two according to pickleballtournaments.com. Though we have seen that one seventy number flying around. This is off of the Dinks newsletter. Um, anyhow, so, so over a hundred matches a in a matches. row. The last time he got was beat was me. Uh, was it was against me? Uh, Atlanta Open last year. Um, I beat him in three, and then went into full body camps to get in fifteen. Didn't you come walking come back down from like zero eight, 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 zero eight, eight and close like my eyes and <laughs> and found a couple forehands? Do you see that uh, that record being broken anytime soon? Over a hundred uh, singles matches in a row. I mean, like, good luck. Yeah, good yeah. luck. And so, especially be, in singles, it's like what what people don't know is that especially in singles, like anybody can get hot and score six seven winners in yeah. a row. Like anybody can bang a serve, and then most people can like. You know, thread the needle and and slap away on ground strokes. So it, one thing to lose matches and doubles, but something totally different. You know, I mean, in in singles with the idea that people can just get hot and and you know, and get extremely hot and and slap away and get a little slap happy. That's what I've I've said for a while. When you and Ben, you know, weren't losing to anyone but each other. It was all the more impressive knowing what I knew about singles, like right. you just referenced. Like anybody can get hot for a little stretch. You'd think that more up, uh, upsets would actually happen in singles, but you guys weren't letting anyone touch you, yep. which speaks to the credit of how complete of a game you each had. Because you know when someone comes in from high level, you know semi professional tennis, right. singles doesn't take that long for them to be able to be competitive. Right. Doubles is a lot more. There's a lot more patience and nuanced shots that you have to develop. But in singles, it's ball striking can be a big equalizer. So. So yeah. for you guys to have that dominance for as long as you had was was pretty darn surprising. So I expect, I mean, I, I don't expect Ben to go anywhere. He's still going to be obviously extremely difficult to beat. But I just see the singles landscape, especially on the men's side, of being a lot deeper to about six or seven guys going forward than just the two of you guys being, you know, just, sh you know, cut above, well, uh, well above the rest. Yeah, yeah like it was for sure. For sure, J-Dub is, um, the guy's the guy's talented. But yeah, no, so I'm super happy for J-Dub, uh, happy for him to get his first major. And for Spencer Smith, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a huge win for Spencer to mm -hmm. get a win over Ben. Uh, Spencer's from Utah, has, has a lot of support from Utah. So I know there was uh, plenty of people out there 
that were rooting Spencer on, or uh, at least when I played him, I I felt that uh, <laughs> that I did not have any love in that, in that little building. little home court advantage. It, for you him know, there. little home yeah. court advantage, little Utah love. And what's cool about Utah too is that there was a bunch of kids and a bunch of youth at the tournament. That's awesome. Uh, you know, having uh, pro players sign autographs, balls, paddles, t-shirts, all that good stuff. I would say out of all the states that I've been to. Uh, it seems like the uh, demographic of fan in Utah is much younger. Um, I mean, and and maybe it's you know Mormon families uh, having having kids younger, but there was a there's a lot of uh, families in the 30s and 40s, uh, all with kids that loved pickleball. They were all about the pros, um, and and were huge supporters. So cool to see that. Yeah, I noticed that a couple of years ago when I went yeah. there. There's a lot of public courts, a lot more of a younger vibe that was going and playing at yeah. all hours, which is I think what the vision for pickleball can be everywhere really once people see it in that in that light yeah for sure um let's, let's see here um so women's doubles uh Catherine and jesse did it again two weeks in a row mm -hmm. pretty good um i was talking to leah this morning and uh it, it's kind of interesting like i feel like jesse Jesse played with Irina this year. Jesse uh, played with some other people as well. And from what it seems like, it's it's funny how partnership can really make a player shine through a much different light, and can can make people see uh, that particular player through a different lens. Jesse's a prime example. Like, uh, no discredit to her game, but she really hadn't had great results with with anybody else, or or at least with Irina this year. Hmm. And the last two weeks, the last I don't know, the last I think month, she's been uh, playing with Catherine. And over the last two weeks, they beat uh, Simone and Lucy in Denver, and then beat Simone and Lucy again in, in uh, Brigham City. So. What, what impressed me um, maybe the most about that is I forget which tournament was right before Denver, but her and Catherine played in that one. And I don't know if they went two and out, but they didn't do very they, well at they all. Played, they played um, Newport and they did not play well. Yeah, I know. You know, I didn't watch it, but I just saw yeah, the scores. They, they did not play well. Expected them to do well because yeah. obviously they're both good players. So clearly they worked some bugs Wake, out wake with up the chemistry. Card, for yeah, sure, like for sure. clearly came out yeah. with a chip on their shoulder. And to do it, twice in a row pretty cool against Simone and Lucy I don't think anybody's done that for two tournaments back to back so credit to them well and to do it in the winners bracket final and and the final yeah right yeah, no yeah right. To, to do it several times in a row like for it, sure again I, I just as a fan of the sport and at the the high level I mean it's great to see the dominant teams but it's fun to see again more depth to say well which team which player is going to bring it that given day for sure and it was nice to see you know like we're we're back to double elimination in Denver back to double elim in right. in uh, Brigham City so it was, it was nice to see that format again it was nice to kind of see if the results are different with single limb compared right. to double limb but honestly it all looks very similar. How do you feel? What do you prefer? Single limb? Single limb for you sure. Like this, right? Come on. <laughs> Save the body. Single <laughs> limb. Yeah, no, I, I'm a huge believer in, like, you know, playing the winner's bracket semi before noon. Or is it, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, um, playing the uh, winner's bracket quarter but before noon and then having, like, a winner's bracket semi scheduled at, you know, one or two. Uh, if, if you win that, then you're then you're done. Even if you lose that, then you have one play-in match to get to the bronze. And so, I mean, honestly, I don't I don't think it's all that bad. It's less time on court. You're 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 making more money. Uh, they can showcase it better on TV. I think uh, you know anybody that has been watching or following the PPA events. Uh, I mean, how stink how cool is it to be able to watch the best of the best, best three out of five? All back to back on yeah. a on a Sunday, you yeah. know. I mean, I mean, you can plan like a six hour day sitting on your couch chilling, right, right, no. watching the best of the best, you know. For sure, and it's the first time we've had a chance yeah. to do that with pickleball yeah. for us junkies. It's it's pretty great so, for sure. I know, I know. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of like true pickleball fans that love to see the whole event get played out in 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 one day. But I'm gonna be the first to tell you. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not the last to tell you, but. Um, like the level generally doesn't get better late in the day. Like, you know, as we're, as we play the bronze medal match and we work our way back through, usually that, that final final is not the best match of the day, probably the winner's bracket final or uh, maybe a match earlier on. But, um, you know, when there's that many matches and there's that many teams, at least on the men's side, I wouldn't say that the level of play, you know, looks that much better late in the day after playing that many matches. I think, uh, 
the level of play and the way that they highlight it uh, just looks a lot better. Uh, gives the players a chance to like recoup, re regain their energy, and be be able to bring their best stuff on Sunday. I know it's tough, you know, when you don't know how long it's going to be for your next match later in the day. Tough to know when to eat, right? Like, because at that point, it's, like you're you're deeper in the day, you're starting to need a little energy. Nobody wants to eat too much and no, feel bloated. But if you don't eat, then you lose the energy. Right. So it probably makes more sense as it becomes more professional to have a kind of a predictable time period for your, for your next match. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so one thing I did not like about the double limb and finishing late in Brigham city is that, you know, I, I finished singles at, I think J dub and I played our singles match at like nine mm. o'clock at night. Uh, didn't get done till like 1030. There is nothing, nothing. I'm going to say that again, nothing to eat in Brigham city after 10 <laughs> o'clock. I mean, there's nothing, nothing. You know, um, uh, the gas station hot sucks, dog <laughs> sucks. Also, too, getting like, like, you know, playing a tournament uh, uh, the weekend before, flying in Monday, and then playing Wednesday, having Thursday off, and then Friday, Saturday, which is kind of a goofy week, but goofy, goofy schedule. Um, but yeah, so men's doubles uh, played it on Saturday. Um, you know, same thing. It was kind of a crummy day all day. Uh, it was blowing. Uh, it looked like it was going to rain. Never actually rained until late in the day. Uh, but uh, we ended up we ended up getting rolled by uh, Adam Adam and, and Deckel. They, they they played very well. If you guys watched that last point of the of the match, <laughs> Deckel Deckel has no paddle. Deckel's back at the fence. Well, first they're in I formation. Yep, first they're yep. in I formation. And then Deckel's like outside the court, or his paddle's on the ground. He's like hanging on the fence. Basically, Adam beats both Riley and I in a freaking hand speed battle to to win the match. He just clogged right. Jeez, in the I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, ended up losing that, and then had to, had to win a couple in the back draw to get us back in the back in the medal. Uh, back in the medal matches, played Austin Gridley and Shelton, which is a tricky team. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, probably the most underrated team in pickleball. I kid you not, most underrated team, and I call that Utah Funk. Uh, so you played, ask me, <laughs> that is called the Utah Funk. So I played with Shelton in Grand Rapids, and, and I just played with Austin. Tell in, us in Denver. No, I just I think Crafty. both of them. I think both of them do a lot of uh, a lot of things really well. Uh, they move the ball around. I mean, I think Shelton's got a little more flash with his misdirection, but. You know, Austin is one of the most unassumingly very good players in pickleball. He's, he's relatively tall. He leans in, takes a lot of balls out of the air. But when he takes it out of the air, it's not a dead dink. He's rolling it. He's trying to stay alive, fighting for control in that battle. Makes, you know, always seems to neutralize and get to the kitchen line. Just makes right. you earn every point that you get. Makes you so work. I'm just a, a big fan of both of those guys individually. And as a team, they're, they're tricky. Yeah. They're, they're tricky for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, you've got to respect the fact that they both have spent a ton of time on their game. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you don't, we don't just wake up with that. I don't think either of when them, it's that crafty, I don't think either of them came from t high level tennis, right? Right. right? Which there's, there's most too. of the people they're playing against were, you know, high level college or semi-professional tennis players, which gives you a great head start in pickleball. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they've, they've had to dissect it. They've had to study it, learn it, put time on court. So they're they're both there. They're they're upper level pros, and they deserve the success they've had. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyhow, so I ended up beating those guys. Uh, beat those guys down on like court two. If uh, if there's any viewers that that played at Brigham City that maybe that maybe played on that Saturday, if you played down towards the end by the first couple of courts, it was so stupidly windy. It was blowing like 35 miles an hour. Um, anyhow, we're up like I think we're up like 12 two. We end, they end up coming back. It was like 12. 12-8, uh, and then we ended up making a run. But definitely one of those teams where it's like, gosh, you know, it's a it's a tough team. You don't want to lose to that team. Um, but, um, no, kudos to both of those guys for, I mean, honestly, spending a ton of time on their game uh, for, you know, not having a whole lot of rackets bar background mm -hmm. and really uh, maximizing uh, just their full potential and kind of what they have. Uh, talent wise. Well, I so. think they beat they beat Spencer. They had they had, a, they had a couple them, right? good wins. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but they beat the other the other Utah boys. Yeah, right, right, right. So I'm sure that one felt pretty good for them. Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't think Tyler and Spencey probably liked that. No, I'm sure they didn't. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then Ryan and I ended up playing the youngins played uh, Dylan Frazier and J Dub. 
Uh, we're down one six. Tricky team. Yeah, tricky team. team. Yeah, definitely tricky team. Down one six, playing on uh, on on center. Gained a fifteen. Ended up coming back and beating them. I told J Dub after the match that you're not going to beat me in three events over one tournament. Okay, <laughs> you already you know you already put me in a position where I've taken silver four years in a row at TOC in singles. Silver is my new fucking middle name. <laughs> Little, little revenge match. Little uh, revenge I love, match. Yeah, right, right. Uh, anyhow, ended up beating those guys. And then uh, we actually kind of waited around like we were going to play outside um, on that Saturday, play the bronze outside. It got really dark. It got very rainy. Uh, so the women's ended up uh, playing their singles match. Uh, Annalie and Callie ended up playing their singles match. And uh, Annalie ended up winning that match. And then right after they played, we were supposed to go on. It started raining. So we had to go indoors. Uh, another another late night. Ended up beating Stone and Barr. Got some revenge. Beat them pretty handily. It's like two and eight. Was there any difference? Did you guys make any adjustments from you know your loss yeah, to the yeah, win yeah. there? Yeah, so, so I, I would say Adam played extremely well. If you guys watched that match, played extremely well. And actually beat Rye uh, a decent amount head-to-head and went back behind Rye. Not an um, easy task at yeah, all. Definitely yeah, definitely not an easy task. I need to be much better overall. But uh, it kind of came like Adam was the X factor uh, in that semis match. Um, and then, yeah, and then later on, uh, I took some more drops. I made sure to not miss a dink. Um, and, and actually kind of what, what happened earlier on in the day was that Rye was trying to take a lot of balls off my inside foot and with him taking a lot of balls off my inside foot, or I guess dinking off my inside foot and kind of taking that backhand dink. It opened it up. Since he was moving around too much, it kind of, uh, definitely, uh, exposed him and made him vulnerable with, uh, the person in front of him, going back behind him. So with that being said, I just uh, made it apparent. I said, Rye, if your your hands are going to be much better if you're a bit more stationary. Why don't you let me take that dink off your – or why don't you let me take the dink in the middle? I can move the dinks around a bit more. Just let me play a bigger part in the middle, mm-hmm. and you just focus on being a monster and using your hands. And if they do go back behind you, uh, let's have you sitting on it and not taking as many dinks in the middle. Uh, and, and, I mean, honestly, uh, there's – you know, there's there's way too much going on for him for him to try to take balls off my inside foot and cover sixty percent of the court. You know, with with a hand speed battle. So um, so yeah. So it enhanced his hands. Simple not adjustment as much. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. simple adjustment. I uh, took more balls in the middle. Um, can, you know, and kind of had him slide over a bit more so he could cover line. Um, it's funny. It's funny what that does. You know, you uh, limit your box, make your box a little tighter, and all of a sudden it it, uh, it increases your hand speed. That's uh, that was very apparent. And um, anyhow, so I ended up beating those guys. Uh, Adam and Deco, I don't think played extremely well, but we probably put a lot of pressure on them because we didn't we didn't miss too often. Um, and then had another late night doozy. Uh, I think we ended up finishing at like ten thirty or ten forty five. Um, we're we're in it. Game one, we're up nine six. Uh, I thought we played very well. And um, I, we just have no answer, man. That's, that's what it comes down to. The, the team, it, I mean, I mean, Colin, Colin plays the right very well. Um, yep. You know, we. Uh, there's, it's it's so tough to keep Ben out of it. You know, I mean, every pattern they 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 work is kind of tied around either Ben taking a drop off of Colin's you know left foot or Ben taking a dink off of Colin's left foot or Colin countering once, sliding over, and then Ben's. It's just it's tough to keep him out of the equation. But one, uh, a couple yeah. of things that we did notice is that um, is that we have to dink to Ben. We have to go back behind Ben. I sped up a couple times back behind Ben. We ended up winning those patterns. Plain and simple, we just can't be afraid to go there. That's that's what it comes down to. And also, too, when Colin dinks to my left foot, I was taking that dink uh, on my left foot. I was going back behind Ben. It was easier to get to Colin. I mean, it, it, it all sounds nice. It, <laughs> it sounds very it, right, nice. Right. It sounds like it's all doable until you see how many balls Ben hits. And it's just it's just tough to keep him out of the equation, man. And, and yeah, I think you guys are in a position where you know everybody watching that wants you guys to beat them is a critic, right? Everybody's got that. Oh, well, you guys need to do this. You yeah. need to do that. You need to do this. Everybody knows best. Everybody knows best. I mean, to me, my analysis would be, you know, when you used to just kind of try to outlast Colin, just keep every ball away from Ben. 
I think it either worked or got you guys very close. But to me, I think Colin has really become a specialist on For the sure. right side yeah. Yeah. of really understanding exactly how to play that. And so I think going forward, the teams that are going to beat them are going to have to move the ball around in general. Just like you said, be willing to play Ben. Obviously, you're playing with fire because he's extremely gifted in a lot of ways. Oh. But I think especially as Colin switched to the Electrum paddle too, I think his counters are bigger. For sure. He's able to get a little bit more spin no. and dink them more aggressively at times too. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously nobody's figured out the, the game plan to consistently beat them, but I do think forcing Ben just to play a few more balls where he can't play off the ball the whole time. I think he gets in a rhythm playing off the ball. He's one of the best off the ball players, so is Riley. He's obviously great when the ball's being hit at him as well, but right. sometimes being forced to do both, everyone's human, everybody's capable of making some errors or some bad decisions from time to time. Right, right. Um and yeah, we ended up losing. I don't know, was it nine and nine and six, something like that? So kudos to the Johns. Um, kudos to those guys. Yeah, Colin played extremely well. Um, big, big uh, congrats to Deckel and Adam. Uh, those guys. The last time at TOC, the, yeah, actually no, that's their first time getting a medal at TOC. So pretty cool. Um, back in 2018, they were the backdraw slayers. <laughs> they ended up like losing early and then freaking beat everybody in the backdraw. Almost beat. Um, almost beat uh, Wes Gabrielson and uh, Dave Weinbach to get into the bronze. Um, but uh, and anyhow, that's who you guys beat in the final that year, right? That's, yep. that's who we beat in the final. Yep, nice. yep. So very, very good team. Excuse me. And uh, I know Deckel and Adam are playing together next year. So always a always a team team to look out for. Yeah, always a team to look out. A lot for. of a lot of natural chemistry with those guys. Very true. Um, okay, so let's see here. Uh, the new rule change for serve and rally scoring. Um, so I know rally scoring is is in the works. Uh, there's really there there hasn't been a whole lot done yet. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if it goes there. Volleyball has gone to rally scoring. Uh, I think for for TV coverage, obviously, it's easier to to guesstimate guesstimate the time. So are they looking at the, that for doubles the, and singles? Because I know we tried it a few years ago at the World Pickleball. Um, but in, we did it singles. just singles. Yeah. Um, but they're thinking. Pretty sure it's for all events. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. to kind of help with uh, duration of matches, um, to kind of have a better guesstimate. Uh, and I, I mean, as we saw at WPC, it didn't didn't affect the results. As we see with double lemon, single lemon, two. It's, yeah. It's, Big so. players tend to step it up. Yep. Um, but uh, but something that is being done right now is that the serve change. Uh, for any change to take place, uh, there are three bodies that oversee rule changes, and the process has three steps. The rule change proposed to the IFP uh, for discussion and vote. Number two, uh, rule changes that survive are then presented to the USAPA um, uh, Rules Committee for a vote. And then number three, uh, rule changes that survive are reviewed by the USPA Board of Directors and a final vote is held. So essentially has to go through three different uh, groups. So they're trying to ban the the spin serve, is that correct? So or is it just the chainsaw? Yeah, okay. and so, um, okay, so, so the only thing that we see right now is that the serve, the serve rule... Um, has has been passed by the IFP, so now it moves on to uh, the rule changes that survive are then presented to the USAPA Pickleball Rules Committee for a vote. So now it's going to the USA uh, Pickleball Rules Committee for a vote. That's what it sounds like. So, but it's 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 past the the, the or it's past the first hurdle. It's past the uh, IFP. Um, and I mean, to be honest, Leia and I talked about this, um, in, in episode 18, but, uh, to be, I mean, did you watch Susanna Barr's son? Did you watch that I, final I, game? I it just, I read, I read about it. Did you watch I it? I didn't see Was it moving just? I mean, literally like, like so <laughs> Susanna Barr, she's from Boise. Yeah. Uh, so her son, uh, Porter, yeah, Porter, yep. yeah, Porter, Porter. Uh, good kid played four five nineteen plus at TOC, um, uh, Another late night match. They ended up going to a different indoor facility in Brigham oh, City. It was like midnight. they didn't get done till midnight. Yeah, midnight. Jeez. I mean, we got done at 10, 30, 11. They didn't get done till midnight. So, um, uh, gain, gain of fifteen. Or no, was it? 
It was either game game three or game fifteen. He uh, pretty sure he served out a whole game. I, I think he served. He out served the out a whole game. game. Yeah, that was the the title. Yeah, that, served, yeah, I mean, so I mean, when the serve is that effective and there's no true balance and you're able to really like a uh, score five or six or seven points just off of one serve and you have unforced errors, you have aces, you have. Uh, you know, you have like returners trying to hit a half volley and they're shanking balls all over. Like nobody wants to watch that. Right. I mean, right. it's, it's like watching Isner on grass. No, you're right. right? You're I mean, right. I mean, it's, nobody it's... wants to watch Isner at Wimbledon just uh, tee off on serves and then tee off on returns and see no points. That's right. just right. not no, fun I mean, to you're watch. Right. You're right. You're right. It's a tough. It's a tough question to answer. I mean, I, I taught uh, when I taught camp in, in Maine. Johnson Cola was one of our. Uh, assistants and him and I were debating the whole weekend back and forth and I didn't really know how I how I fit on it I know that you know uh, ping pong or table tennis at one point kind of uh, banned all the extra junk with the spin right. uh, just because it became such a weapon now I think to that to some degree they were hiding what that spin looked like and so you couldn't really be able to know which direction it was gonna uh, break when the ball hit but they felt like it uh, it hurt the integrity of the game or was too big of a weapon to where now you have to toss with an open palm where it takes that away. And I know some people have made that argument. Others are saying, hey, listen, this is just the next evolution in the game. It's good for the game. People right. are going to have to learn how to Morgan, deal with it. Do you see Morgan's yeah, post? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I saw Morgan's Morgan's post. trying to hang on. Yep, yeah, yeah. no, And then, uh, you know, I actually just got a message from Zane I Navratil that. that looked like he sent to a lot of uh, pros just basically saying, hey, give your opinion on this. Your voice matters. So it's it's right on the cusp of, you know, is it is you know which way is it going to go? Um yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one to answer because in a way I like it because I think it, it makes the game in way more fun to watch you know, when you can have uh, serves that are not just, hey, getting the ball in. Right. But at the same time, it does widen the gap a little bit with one of the things that we love the most about pickleball is the inclusivity of, you know, a pro can go out and play with, you know, a 4.5 who's 60 true. years old right. and they can hang to it to a certain degree. Right. You start having your serve break this way and that way, it it has more of a demand on the returner being a better athlete, you know, um, having a higher knowledge of, you know, in that toss, which way is it going to break? So, uh, I honestly, I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Totally. I, I think I'm probably leaning towards liking a certain level of innovation, but right. what is the, uh, what's the rule going to be of when does it go too far? I've heard, uh, you know, Ben say this, I've heard some others say you can't hide, you know, if you're hiding, the toss or you're hiding which direction you're making that ball spin um that's too far but if it's if visually you're able to see it then it's fine that's but it's not a bad argument but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like you i don't want to see someone have just this fancy serve that that's breaking to an unpredictable location and then just serve out a game where you're not even able to get the return back i think sure. it, it discredits all the other skills that are so important to elevating your game to play at the highest levels of pickleball if the serve matters that much. So uh, it's a, it's a tough a, question. What's a realistic percentage of percentage of points that you should win off of your serve? Like at, at the pro level, what's, what's a realistic picture that you would watch on TV and you could actually get plenty of value out of it? Is it like 10% of the points, 15% of the points? Um, I think under 20. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. Under, yeah, under 20. Sure, I mean, sure. if, if, if somebody's right. just not getting a return back more than, you know, one out of five, I think maybe yeah, you're right, losing right. some of the other, you know, really enjoyable things to watch about the game. Right. Uh, singles right. a little different. Right? Enough, you're going sure. for more on the serve, course, you're going for more right, on the return. Right, right. But yeah. if doubles, if people are consistently missing more than 20% where they're just not even getting it back. Yeah. Or, or the other aspect is, you know, if your return in doubles is so weak, that every time you're just facing a huge drive, then you're losing some of the patience yeah. uh, in, in the game. So it's an interesting I don't envy the people making the decision. I mean, there's a lot of information to factor in. No, there is. There is. It's not, a, it's not an easy one. Uh, and, I, and I like the, I mean, just like what Kyle mentioned, I like the innovative part. I just yeah. don't like the idea that it's, and I, I've said this a couple of times, that it's just not a true balance. You just don't know where it's kicking right. uh, as a returner. Like, you know, like... And most of the people that hit the serves, they'll tell you they don't know if or to what degree it's going to If they don't know, right. Of they're course. not even sure. They're yeah. just like, well, I'm going to throw a bunch of gunk on it and hopefully something good yeah. happens. So it's tough, because it's, tough. it's tough because like in tennis, you you know where the serve's going, but they're beating you with, with pace. It, you know, pickle, it's different. They're not beating with pace. They're beating you by just junkiness and, and the RPMs and the spin on the serve. 
So it's just, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, um, well, and if you think about it, I just it, don't like how it's yeah. just not a true balance. Well, and yeah, what it with comes a, down with to. A, at the end of the day, we're using a plastic ball anyways. Those right. plastic balls at times can get a little lopsided to start with. Now yeah. you throw another factor. First, it's true. Of this it's true. Spin I mean, where, how, right. Know, there's already bad bounces. There's already, it's already an issue. Does it, does it enhance yeah, no, no, a potential true. issue yeah, that's already? Right. That's, that's a good point for yeah. sure. There's already, you know, plenty of goofy bounces as it is. Now we're just increasing that category by having people add, add spin and then, Hit the so yeah, I'm, I'll obviously. admit I'm very much on the fence. I like a lot about it, but I do see how if not kept in check to some degree, yeah. it could become such a huge weapon that it takes away from all these other skills that are a big part of pickleball. Right, right. Or like what Morgan said, hey, it's only going to make better returners. Right. Well, well it, it forces and the, I, and the I, education I, to go. I up. agree with that yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, I. I I agree with we that. We might have I to just, study film. You know, you might have to watch somebody's toss. If yeah, you know, no, for sure. if their their wrist does this way, and then the spin's getting it's going to break that way. If their paddle's in a different position, that's their second one where right. it breaks the right. other way. So you might have right. to really study your opponents yeah, to have a, a read on the serve, which is good for a professional sport. I think so. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a tough one. That is true. It is true. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. Off of that topic. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, if you guys have not read Morgan's post, you guys should totally check that out. Morgan, um, uh, gives his good article. Yeah, yeah, it is very good. Now Morgan's, uh, very articulate with his, uh, with his wording. But yeah, if you guys get a chance, definitely check out that post. Uh, he does a good job of just explaining his opinion, uh, in a, in a couple of different ways, um, about, about the new server. Um, he takes credit for inventing the shake and bake. In there, which I did not know. I didn't know that that came from came from him. Shaker and the baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and sometimes you may even bake off your own shake. Okay, <laughs> and if you can do that, go out and buy yourself a milkshake. That's advanced. Okay, buy right yourself there. a Newman Blizzard. <laughs> okay, the old the old new new Blizz. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, clothing line. If you guys have not checked out my clothing line, um, you can go to my website tysonmcguffin.com. Um, and swoop up some merch there, or, or you can go to Selkirk.com and check it out. Um, camps that we have coming up. Camps that we have coming up. Uh, so KMAC is teaching a camp in Fountain Valley. Uh, that is September 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, the next camp that we're going to be hosting is right after the uh, Texas Open, uh, the uh, PPA Texas Open uh, the camp is the fourth and fifth. It's the Monday, Tuesday, directly after the tournament. And then we're, uh, heading to chicken and pickle OKC and teaching on that Thursday, Friday, seventh and eighth. Also too, in the month of October, uh, we have a PPA camp after the Vegas tournament on that Monday, Tuesday, October 25th and 26th. Um, and then we are doing Palm Springs the week after, November 3rd and 4th on that Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, and so we've given you guys a lot of options, so there's really no excuse. Now right. you got you to come, come join come us for see one us. of them, right? <laughs> come see us. Um, YouTube channel, just so you guys are aware, for the next month, we're going to be posting... Uh, we're going to be posting drills. They're going to be uh, fundamental drills. So we just did a nine-week fundamental series. Um, now I am posting individual drills. So we'll, we'll post drills. I just posted a video last night. It was uh, best uh, lifting drills, and it's for all levels. So 2530, 3540040+. But for the next month, we're going to be posting uh, level-specific drill videos. And then the following month, we'll get into those common tendency videos. Heck yeah. Um, make sure you guys like, subscribe, and turn those notifications on. Um, okay, so Kyle, we got a couple questions here by, right. the, by the viewers. I'm gonna so I was gonna, while you're looking at that, I'll tell you, um, I gave my first celebrity lesson today. Yeah, yeah tell us. Yeah, I, uh, I, I live in Spokane, obviously. And so um, I don't know if those have followed during the, the, the tournament last year, but uh, Gonzaga, uh, the Gonzaga basketball team was playing a little bit of pickleball between between some of their games, and there's a little bit of coverage on that. So uh, I gave Mark Few, the, the Gonzaga men's basketball coach, uh, the first lesson that I've, I've given him today. It was a lot of fun. He Work that guy over. He definitely likes uh, he likes to speed it up, Tyson. Oh, he, yeah, he, he likes, likes he to bring the offense. He wasn't a fan of the, the patient game. Slow it but, down, uh, Mark. You know, I showed him the old uh, the old drive drop combo. He likes right? that. He likes that. He's a good enough <laughs> athlete. He figured uh -huh. out. He's, you know, so I, uh, whenever I give a lesson to somebody who's you know has played a while, more of a four zero advanced player, 
I always start, you know, just to figure out their game. I'd say, let's just play skinny singles for five minutes and I'll just kind of throw some different looks at them. Right. See like, well, you know, where am I feeling pressure? Where am I not feeling pressure? But notice pretty early on that he liked to uh, rip the ball a little bit and just trying to drive multiple balls in a row. Oh yeah, come Showed on. Showed him the old uh, drive drop combo. He's able to get in a little better and then... Uh, you know, he was saying, yeah, I don't, I don't like this, uh, this patient dinking. So showed him a little bit of the push dink, right? Where I'm like, uh -huh. you know, you can dink, but be aggressive with the dinking. That way, you know, kind of just fits certain people's temperament. Yeah, right? Right, they don't right. want to sit out there and say, well, if you can make 49 dinks, I'm going to make 50, <laughs> right? You know, it was one thing to be able to do it. The other is, you know, to have the temperament for that. So no, it was, right. a, it was a fun uh, opportunity to get to meet him and, and work with him a little bit. That's cool. Mark Few, guy's a legend around Spokane. This is going to be the Zags year. He's a god in Spokane. <laughs> it better be. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's better a, be. a big deal around here yeah, for we've sure. We've been saying that forever, forever. Okay, and, and actually the best story of TOC, you ready? The, the best story was on Saturday, women's singles. I'm not going to give any names. I'm, I'm not, but it was <laughs> it's legendary. So somebody called somebody else a cheater on center court. Ooh. Don't do w that. Don't, don't right. do that. Hey, don't be doing <laughs> that. So somebody in the crowd called a girl a cheater, and somebody's dad walked over to that person that called that individual a cheater mm. and uh, got a little uh, heated. Oh, got the index finger out and said, oh, yeah. Hey, if you call my daughter that again, I will effing knock your brains out. Oh, yeah. All right. Pickleball's getting Bring the interesting heat. now. Now we've got I, I, I wish I would have watched it. I didn't get to see it. I just heard about it. Oh, I just I heard don't... about it. Hey, if you call my daughter that again, I will, you know. All right. I will bring the heat. Well, you know, I, you know, I, I think, I think hooking at the pro level, uh, you know, men, women, regardless, I, I think is something that we probably need to address and, you know, it, obviously want to, want to get it away from the sport. But that being said, not sure that uh, heckling from the crowd about line calls is the right way to handle that. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know the names. I don't know any of the, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, but, uh, um, Probably uh, wouldn't want to mess with that person's father. Sounds like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't don't play with that. <laughs> don't. Okay. Questions. Um, first question is, um, what's your typical warm up routine before practice or before a match? Uh, let's just say let's say match. Um, Kyle, what's your uh, typical r routine? Yeah. Yeah. So um, routine. you know, I I like to make sure I know which areas of my game are a little more streaky if you will, um, where if they're feeling confident, they're feeling good, I think I'm going to play quite well. Um, if yeah, I don't yeah. have feel for it, it's going to be a, an uncomfortable match. So yeah, yeah. Like for me, that. my backhand uh, slice push dink. Got to get uh, the knife going. You know, if, 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 it's, if it's off, I'm, you know, it's, it's vulnerable to be making a lot of errors or popping a lot of dinks up. But yeah. if it's on, I feel like even at my level, it's a way for me to kind of be in control and dictate some of the action. Yeah, yeah. So I make sure that I get uh, quite a bit of reps with my... Uh, backhand slice dink. And then also for me, uh, in addition to that, it's mostly backhand stuff. Forehand's, forehand's mostly there. But I'll make sure I'm, I'm taking some volley dinks, leaning in, taking some dinks out of the air, just trying to get the feel for that. And also I like to make sure I practice mid-court uh, some resets. I feel like a lot of the more offensive stuff is a little bit more reaction-based where if, you know the adrenaline's pumping, I feel like I can kind of tap into that. But uh, more of the touch shots are the ones that I make sure that I... Uh, I, I get give myself enough reps on if that's feeling confident. It seems like the rest of the game uh, tends to uh, tends to flow. Yeah, for sure. How about you? Yeah, so I think uh, you know gearing up for a uh, tournament match. You know, I think uh, you know if it's later in the day, probably not going to warm up as much. We've been getting lots of touches. Right. You know, we should feel comfortable kind of late in the day, early on. Obviously, longer warm up. Um, I usually try to eat early. Um, you know, let's say matches started at eight. Um, I'm getting a smoothie in me by like six thirty. I've shown uh, getting to the courts at seven or seven fifteen. Uh, as most people know, uh, with myself, I like to get lots of reps in. Uh, unlike Tyler Lung and Riley Newman, who who probably don't practice at all, or, or you know, show up <laughs> to the day of the tournament and like warm up for two minutes and they're good to go. Lung's like that as well. God, Lung's that. like that. Rye always shows up extra late. The guy needs like four balls like, and he's ready. I'm like, it's automatic. I yeah. mean, it's complete opposite <laughs> for me. Um, so I usually like to get like a 30 minute warm up in. Um, you know, 
I uh, I will usually find some early morning guys that I know that like to get there early to kind of get some touches in with. Nice, nice. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, um, just kind of get everything warmed up. Uh, nothing specifically, I would say. If there's, I guess, one uh, one area where I like to get more touches in than most, it's hand speed. So we can play some points out from the kitchen line, speed ups. Um, just kind of, kind of get the hands going, get seeing mm-hmm. the ball early, get seeing the ball big. It kind of seems like, you know, early morning, if I can, uh, get that like alert feeling of like having some hands speed battles and kind of playing some faster points. Um, that'll wake you up. Yeah. Morning, that'll kind of right? wake, kind of wake me up and kind of get me <laughs> yeah. going. Um, but, um, you know, and also too, something you should consider is that, um, like everything should be automatic. If you're going into a tournament, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be worried about one area we should kind of go into the tournament thinking, Hey, I've, I've worked my butt off. Right. I've, I practiced the right way. Every, everything should be automatic. I should not be thinking about technique. All you should be focused on come tournament day is yourself and, and tactics and teams and strategy. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, next question. Next question is, uh, hey, man, uh, my name is Anthony. I love watching you play. I've been playing for like a year now. I'm a 4 0 pickleball player. I really want to improve my game. I'm 22 and fast, but I've seemed to kind of reach a point where I haven't improved much lately. Any uh, and suggestions, probably meant to say any suggestions, on how to better my game. So you're, you're kind of at a plateau playing at a 4 0 level. Feel like your, your, your game uh, isn't heading the right direction. A couple questions I should, uh, I'm going to ask off the bat is like, who do you have in your area? Um, you know, is there like, do you have a drilling buddy? Do you have a good competitive group? Uh, what are your goals? You know, I mean, what are you looking to kind of get out of your pickleball game? Um, do you watch any content? Do you watch matches? Do you watch your own stuff? I mean, there's lots to kind of go in here, but um, I think a couple of things that are a must is drilling, uh, watching content, you know, finding somebody on, on YouTube that you like to learn from. Hopefully it's myself. Um, you know, hopefully it's myself and Kyle. You can subscribe to the MacGuffin Pickleball Club. Um, but, um, you know, are you uh, are you doing stuff off the court? Are you in the gym? I feel like every little ounce helps, whether it's watching content, drilling, uh, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations with playing with people that are higher level. Um, you know, are you putting the time in, in, in the gym? Are you doing any recovery stuff? Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot to this puzzle, but, um, uh, first and foremost is find it, find a drill buddy and, um, you know, get lots of touches in kind of, kind of figure out what your identity is, what, you yeah, know, what your, big. yeah, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, um, and kind of build a, build a lesson plan or build a roadmap around that. Um, but, uh, and then, then also too, if there's better players in your area, I would throw yourself out to the wolves. There's nothing better to to build a thicker crust than to put yourself in uncomfortable situations where you're playing with people that are higher level that that you know that force you to feel uncomfortable. Um, or you know, throw yourself out to the wolves and uh, play some four or five tournaments. You know, things like that. So I think kind of have to know a bit more about your situation, but. Uh, um, you know, uh, maybe traveling a bit more. If you, if you don't have people in your area, look to, you know, get out there and travel and find some better play. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, pickleball communities out there that are very embracing, you know, that are that are going to tell you kind of what their schedule is, uh, who, who, who plays in their area, things like that. You can check out Pickle Play. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? Well, obviously, it's, it's tough to give an exact answer without seeing seeing the game, but this is a pattern I've seen with a lot of people around that 4-0 level. It seems like you can use, you know, athletic ability and just, you know, paying attention to the game, smart shots, good tactics to kind of get you up to that high intermediate level. But part of the problem is why you plateau for a lot of uh, people, you just don't have um, the tools to continue to advance as far as weapon development. So I'd say there's a good chance you're in that weapon development stage, which is a little bit of a longer road. Doesn't mean you certainly uh, can't uh, can't keep climbing, but I would say um, learning how to hit with spin might be, uh, if that's something that you're not using. So, uh, you know, push dinks, I would say, learning how to dink a little more aggressive, potentially dinking either with top spin or backspin, adding maybe top or backspin to your third shot drop to to make it just a little bit more difficult for your opponents to handle, um, becoming a little bit better of a ball striker of possibly, if you have a pretty good drive, maybe turning that drive into 
uh, even more of a weapon, learning how to use that. So I would say it's probably time, again, without knowing for sure, without seeing your game, it's probably time to start picking a couple of areas. And like Tyson said, creating or forming your long-term identity where you build it around some weapons, but you probably need to develop a couple of those weapons and then just kind of learn how to use them better. But just right. unfortunately tactics and competing well and just overall athleticism with the, the direction the game's going now, Can it's I'll, tough to rely yeah. completely on that. It's true, it's true. And uh, that's spot on for sure. That like raw athlete yeah. that used to be a high 4-0, that does not get you uh, at that high 4-0 level. It's getting more tough. It, yeah, is, more difficult. it is, yeah. A lot more Rackets players coming in, a lot uh, uh, better of a racket sport player making the transition, you know, whether it's from tennis, ping pong, squash, whatever, into pickle. Um, and there's a lot more youth coming. Uh, and there's a lot more youth <laughs> kicking my ass. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, anyhow, um, Kyle, any last uh, last notes here for the for, for the viewers? Sorry, we, we are not doing the instructional nugget this week, but uh, episode 21, we'll, we'll uh, get, get back to our identity of, of our instructional yeah, nuggets. Yeah, well, I'll just, uh, I guess we don't need to call it an instructional nugget, but I, I just, uh, my final word just be something that I've noticed a lot in my, uh, my own game uh, with drilling and playing what I think's really helped me is rather than go out, and I think we all have, you know, shots that we know that we're not as confident with, but um, let's say for example, you're not confident with your, you know, with your third shot drop or your third shot drive or something, rather than go out and just work uh, time and time again on your, uh, on the one shot that maybe you're unconfident with, practice varying patterns or think of drills or, or simulate situations where you're alternating the shots that you hit. Maybe it's a push dink on one, lift dink the next, you know, push dink cross, lift dink up the line. But the more you can simulate uh, drilling or, or playing where you're varying your patterns and complicating a little bit, I just think that gets you so much more match ready where you're having to change which shot you try or go, uh, go with um, back and forth constantly. So uh, practice more complicated patterns as you're drilling rather than just working that same shot over and over again. I think you'll see uh, a lot of benefits in your game like I certainly have recently. Like it. Uh, my name is Tyson McGuffin. This is the McGuffin Show. You guys have yourself a good day and we will see you in episode 21.